Welcome to Only Today, a Gathering Mana podcast, where Catholic moms can find practical tips, help, and advice that will equip them to live more joyfully in their vocations as mothers and wives. Welcome back to our Gathering Mana Lenten Mission podcast on this blessed and holy Thursday, the day on which, as tradition understands it, Jesus speaks the words that we are going to pour over today to his disciples. Today he gives us the gift of himself forever. Today he gives us the Eucharist. And today we are continuing in the last discourses of Jesus before his death. We've treasured through John 14 and 15 in the past two sessions, And today, we will look very briefly at John 16, but dig a little deeper and spend the bulk of our time in John 17. Much of what Jesus reiterates in John 16 is what he mentioned in those previous chapters. And so, while we don't want to gloss over it and thus miss the treasure within, I want to give you the task of reading John 16 thoroughly after we are together today. But as to our actual discussion today, it will need to focus today on John 17, as the Triduum is upon us, and we want to be present in it. There are, however, a few things in John 16 that I would like to emphasize as important before we move on to John 17. In chapter 16, Jesus' tone becomes increasingly prophetic as he begins to tell the apostles about things that will happen in the future in more detail. He says to them, I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. He then goes on to discuss the roles of the Holy Spirit when he comes. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the thing, the things that are coming. Jesus goes on to remind the disciples that, quote, until now, You have not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be complete. He finishes this discussion by telling them, Again, I have told you this, so that you might have peace in me. In in the world you will have trouble. But take courage, I have conquered the world. Jesus goes out of his way to prepare these men, to guide them in detail and communicate his love to them. And he speaks to us in these chapters as they are for us as much as they were for the disciples. He says to them, take heart, let me lead you, prepare you, speak to you, and imprint on you so that your joy may be complete. These are the eternal words of Jesus to us and they are echoing back to you today. Will you have ears to hear him? This is not some distant, deistic God who views humanity from afar. This is a God who leads with his words, with his love, with his eyes, his hands, and his very body. If you feel as though God is far away, you must understand that it is impossible for him to stay away from you. He cannot help but be moved to draw you to his side. Are you responding to him? Are you watching for him? He tells us that there are times when we won't 
feel him, but his counsel always there, right here in scripture, in the Eucharist, in his very body to comfort you, and in the gift of the advocate that he again mentions all through these chapters. So let's move on to chapter 17 and read it slowly together now. Chapter 17, The Prayer of Jesus When Jesus had said this, he raised his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Give glory to your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. Just as you gave him authority over all people, so that he may give eternal life to all you gave him. Now this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God, and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. I glorified you on earth by accomplishing the work that you gave me to do. Now glorify me, Father, with you, with the glory that I had with you before the world began. I revealed your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. They belonged to you, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you gave me is from you, because the words you gave to me I have given to them, and they have accepted them, and truly understand that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for the ones that you have given me, because they are yours. And everything of mine is yours, and everything of yours is mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I will no longer be in the world, but they are in the world, while I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are. When I was with them, I protected them in your name that you gave me, and I guarded them, and none of them was lost except the son of destruction, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. I speak this in the world so that they may share my joy completely. I gave them your word, and the world hated them, because they do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I belong to the world. Consecrate them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I sent them into the world. And I consecrate myself for them, so that they also may be consecrated in truth. I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given them the glory that you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, 
that the world may know that you sent me and that you loved them even as you loved me. Father, they are your gift to me. I wish that where I am, that they may also be with me, that they may see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world also does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Before now, in the discourses, Jesus was talking to the disciples and to us, but right now in front of us, he enters into the Holy of Holies to converse with his Father. In John 17, we sort of overhear Jesus in prayer, and that is as he planned it. He shows us how to pray. Right away, he acknowledges his complete submission to the Father's will when he says, Give glory to your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. This is a very important principle for us to understand as imitators of Christ. When we pray, when we ask God to do the things that we believe are good and right, we must distill our desires to remember why we are here. Quote, to give glory to God, as Jesus did. Later in the New Testament, one of the writers of the epistle said, As dearly loved children, we live a life of love. We imitate God. So right away, when we submit our prayers to this sort of examination, is my motive to give glory to God in my life with this request? We begin to find him sifting us and refining us, even in our requests. In the Old Testament, we find the prophets praying for God to do certain things, quote, for your name's sake, or as the prophet says in Isaiah, for your glory and your renown. What's good about this type of praying is that even if our motives are not 100% in line with God's, it allows him into those requests so that he can purify them. It invites him to be not just our God, but our Lord as well. All throughout John 17, we hear this refrain, in your name, in your name, the name that you gave me. It echoes the way he told the disciples to pray in John 14 through 16 by asking in his name. So to ask in his name, if we follow the example of Jesus, is to ask with the glory of God as the primary motivator, the will of God, the primary goal, obedience to God, the implied action. Jesus goes on to remind us that he and the Father are one and that he has revealed the Father to us. He says, quote, because they are yours and everything of mine is yours and everything of yours is mine and I have been glorified in them. There is a true unity of will and sharing in the divine nature between Jesus and God and us. Jesus says, quote, Holy Father, keep them in your name, that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus asks God to consecrate 
us in truth, just as he himself is being consecrated for them. Are you beginning to understand how important our unity with the will of God and the desires of God is to Jesus? In his kingdom on earth, our whole goal is to be a mirror of love and unity within the Trinity. And that is why division among Christians is such a mockery. But even on a personal level, the ways in which we insist on our own will apart from uniting our hearts to his will, is also a mockery. We were made for joy, and Jesus makes it so clear that joy comes from unity with his heart and unity with God. This is our path that the world would see, that the world would believe. And that unity with God's will and God's thoughts extends to our own thoughts. We allow our thoughts to go whichever way they please most of the time, when what we need in order to be truly happy is to bring them in line with what God says about us, our circumstances, the people in our lives, and the world. One of the most dangerous ways we depart from the will of God happens inside of our heads. It's when we begin to view ourselves differently than He does. They are a gift to me, says Jesus. So to the accusing, berating, guilt monger inside of you, I say depart, because he has spoken softly of her. See, you and I are a gift to him and he to us. Listen to his heart as he says, Father, they are your gift to me. I wish that where I am, they may also be with me that they may see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world also does not know you, but I know you and they know that you sent me. I made known to them your name and I will make it known that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. There is a heartbreaking plaintiveness in his words vulnerability that scarcely becomes the king of the universe. And yet we know that his kingdom is not like the kingdoms of man. Indeed, it is a kingdom of love. And if you remember, um, St. Elizabeth referred to this very passage when she talked about eternity beginning now, that all of these things that Jesus says, that I I want them to be with me and where I am, he intends that to begin now. In in a circle of unity, he wants to be one with us in an intimate relationship of love with us that begins now and extends into eternity. Love is your destiny on earth and forever. Knowledge of God, intimate knowledge. He's, He's being so detailed as he talks of the disciples. He's leading them with such intimate detail partaking in his very nature in a circle of reciprocity as we gather around the Last Supper, as we gather around the table with him, giving and taking from the heart of God as needed and desired. This is your destiny, what he died for, to glorify God and to be in union with him. This is the end to which we were all created 
And that joy, that joy that Jesus promises, comes from trust and obedience to the tender and soul-filling providence of God, who, by all evidence in Scripture and even in your life, desires to speak to you and guide you. And as we go with Jesus to his death, we will see what it looks like to love as he loved in all the big and small corners of our lives. Tomorrow, we're going to join together again to read John 18 and 19 as we enter into his passion more deeply. There won't be a lot of discussion or commentary tomorrow. Tomorrow is not a day for that. Tomorrow is a day of presence, to be present to him and to all that is occurring, to be present at the event that ushered in our redemption. Join me back tomorrow for John 18 and 19.